You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. For Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Max Verstappen won the British Grand Prix today, followed home by two drivers that the British fans would have certainly loved to see on the podium, and such is the dominance of the Red Bull this year. Going into a weekend, you kind of know that unless something big goes wrong, they're going to be up there. Uh, it would have been like... I don't know, like a Ferrari 1-2 at Monza or something in front of the Italian crowds. The crowds absolutely loved seeing Lando Norris in second and Lewis Hamilton in third. Uh, followed home by his teammate, McLaren teammate, at least Oscar Piastri and then George Russell. Uh, Sergio Perez worked his way up to sixth. Fernando Alonso seventh up from ninth on the grid. So still, I think, a disappointing day for Aston Martin. But we'll get into that and then a brilliant day for the Williams. Alex Albon in eighth on merit. Uh, Ferrari's... We'll talk about their tyre strategy. Bit of a gamble. Caught out by a safety car. But, hey, he overtook him on, on track. Uh, Carlos, uh, Charles Leclerc in ninth. Carlos Science in tenth. I'm joined today by uh, our man at the track. Well, he's he's back at his uh, high-end accommodation now, uh, Matt Q. And thank you so much to Sam Hall as well, our latest addition uh, to the Autosport team. And it's so good to have you guys on. So, Matt, what's it... Um, Quickly, Matt, you are back from the track. Uh, there's a video that's up online right now on the Autosport YouTube channel where you are at the track with myself. Uh, home, not home, but you know, back at accommodation now. What's it been like, uh, British Grand Prix today? It's, what, five to ten here, um, and we're, we're staying really close to the track. It's been fantastically convenient. Concert's still going on, but uh, as, as we left and we decided not to take the media bus but walk back to the car for, you know, healthy heart, healthy mind before, uh, before <laughs> doing a bit more work. So it's gone nine o'clock. Norris is still there. The McLaren Senna, his, you know, that, uh, the super sports car he's had around all weekend, still in the car park. And he was sort of surrounded by a throng of fans. He's still taking pictures, signing it. So uh, that's that's really lovely to see. Uh, 
he then overtook us as we walked in, let's say, an exuberant fashion in this, you know, 700, 800 horsepower car. But, you know, by the by, he's, if he can control an F1 car, I'm sure he can keep that point in a straight line. But that's been the atmosphere in a nutshell. You know, a uh, bit like the Through Goes Hamilton commentary line from last year, been in the media pen. And so when Norris is crossing the line up on the podium and uh, drivers having to pause, like they do when you're interviewing them with a, you know, pesky Porsche Super Cup going around, it's just so loud. Well, they had to stop talking again because of the crowd, because couldn't hear each other so uh, a decent atmosphere and also a friendly one I mean last year we left the track a lot later but as you know people are people a few people in uh, advanced states of refreshment none of that this year uh, it's all been it's all been very well behaved I, saw, I only saw one guy last night who was in that condition he was holding onto a tree and he sort of let go and wobbled and I'd, I'd slowed down a little bit and thought are you gonna walk in the road and no he started hugging the tree again apart from that all very very well behaved what a great oh, that was a great grand prix now i wasn't a, a classic in terms of loads of action and, and loads of overtaking but i still think that was a fantastic spectacle for a sellout crowd of the, the British Grand Prix, especially the result as well. So we saw Max Verstappen on pole and Lando Norris light up second alongside him, Sam. That start where Lando got a jump on him and Verstappen was defending from Piastri. Uh, Verstappen was almost down to third at well, you know, one point and uh, Lando was off and enjoying leading the British Grand Prix. Sam, just talk us through how you saw the start of the Grand Prix today. Well, unlike uh, Matt, I was watching from the TV screen in my uh, lovely office, um, but the roar that you got of the crowd, it was just incredible. You don't get that anywhere else in the world and it comes through the TV so well. It was just the perfect start. No one could have imagined really that Lando would actually do it. We knew he would try, but seeing that McLaren leading the race and then ne- seeing Max nearly go down third, you thought, could could McLaren actually do this? Could they win the race? It really is true that a fast car is a good looking car because I wasn't sold on this new livery for the McLaren. But sign me up. I'm I'm sold on this now. This is the keep this all year. I'm happy with this. Um, I thought they should have gone full Mercedes silver. I understand why not. There's sponsors involved and things like that. And Zach Brown said that they want to go back into the papaya heritage and and it's you know there was lots of brand talk. It's an important part of the brand, and we wanted to mix both. But how cool would it have just been? You know, if Chrome is your sponsor, just go full retro Merck Works team silver but there you go they didn't Uh, but hey whatever whatever they did do the same again in two weeks i was watching that thinking max is not unlike last weekend where he had a little battle with his teammate but but quickly sorted that one out and then he was off down the road took max a few laps to get past lando norris today sam what are you thinking in those opening stages are you thinking oh is this sort of not really suiting the the red bull at this stage you know can can mclaren do pretty well here or was it always inevitable really wasn't it I suppose it, yeah it was the latter it was it seemed <coughs> always inevitable but there, the longer it went on the more that little bit of hope grew going uh, you never know could they <laughs> um, and then equally when Max he got past and he didn't exactly pull away like a freight train he just so Lando kept him there for a good three, four laps within DRS range. And once he had escaped that, he was gone. I think the gap was something like nine seconds by the time the safety car came out. So again, you had a little bit of hope with the safety car later on, but it was more the hope of a, a nationalistic hope. I think that's the way of saying it. 
I try and remind people it's you know it's a seventy plus year old British magazine where the, the name of our brand comes from, and, uh, and and most of us are based in Britain and English speaking. We're part of a much bigger motorsport organisation. We got offices around the world, and I can tell you because we work with our Dutch colleagues, we have them on the podcast. Uh, I help them make their own podcast. They're cheering for Max to win. And that's okay because our office that we have in the Netherlands, that's what they're there to do. Uh, I think, you know, we are as impartial as we uh, need to be when we ask the questions of people. Matt, what were the questions, the tough questions you were thinking? Oh, you know, as a journalist, I need to ask this looking at the at the one, two, three. What were the big questions on your mind? It's a battle for second place in a championship. People have been saying for some races now that you take away Red Bull. Well, let's try that again. You take away Max Verstappen and you have a fight for the ages. And you absolutely do because, you know, the competitive order is Ferrari, Mercedes, Aston Martin and now McLaren. And and that's brilliant. At the start of the season, the narrative was, wow, aren't Aston Martin are excelling? Now it's like, whose turn is it to massively mess up this week? And it's like, so <laughs> Austria was, Ferrari got a podium despite not nailing their strategy. This weekend, McLaren have excelled what a step forward they've taken we can properly pick apart that shortly but Mercedes now I'll come on to we'll come on to a bit later as well but you know poor poor qualifying Ferrari well the first session with the new floor Leclerc crashes and then since then it's it's become even more unpredictable certainly what they tried to eliminate those traits are still there Aston Martin are you know, this is a circuit that doesn't suit their car and they're sort of a bit out of sync with the with the upgrade stream. So it's, that's, that's it's fascinating. It's like almost like, like no one wants to almost finish in second place at the minute. That, 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 so that's, that's like the, 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 some of the questions we were asking sort of, or trying to pick apart is, is what's going on in the form guide there. That is giving Red Bull an easier time because there's not just one rival to focus on, which I suppose can be good and bad. But every week somebody else is competitive, but it means that there's not one big competitor. To Absolutely. Max Verstappen said it was like confusing, that he's, you know, the fluctuations. But yeah, Horner said exactly that. What's it like when you don't know who to focus on and who to sort of cherry pick ideas from or whatever? And he said it makes it easier. They're fighting along themselves. It's, it's, it's like when you see on track one car battling for third and another car battling for fourth, and that allows a guy who's in... Uh, second place to disappear up the road by five seconds. That's what Red Bull are. That's not quite what Red Bull are doing because they have designed an exceptional car. And despite the cost cap, you know, penalty and repercussions, they're not being reeled in. Um, is that going to start biting them soon this year? Or is that just going to be, no. they can design their way no, past only it? one race ago, they effectively, or Verstappen effectively won by 25 seconds had he not gone for fastest lap. Like McLaren were close, but you, you know, I think after lap seven, when Verstappen gets through, he checks his pace. It was, but it was becoming obvious that the C1 hard tires were just awful. So it was about managing pace to stretch those mediums as far as possible. So he could go straight onto the softs, save the car, time it, nailed his restart. And then I think it, it, it was, it was fine. So, uh, I, I don't think that's coming to, coming to bite them at all. And I think, you know, they'll, they'll do this and then. Uh, they're already, they must be, or you should be already sort of allocating some resource to 2024 so they can sort of main, maintain that gap with the sort of cost cap and limitations. But yeah, they, as exceptional as that car is, they are being given sort of the, the gate's been left open for them to run at these sports to confuse a load of metaphors together, isn't it? Because, because <laughs> no one can decide who wants to be second best at the minute. 
Well, at the minute, it's Sergio Perez in the Drivers' Championship with 156 points after scoring just eight today for his sixth place. Then, Fernando Alonso, who is still riding high on that early season form. And then it's Lewis Hamilton in fourth place, who is, let's have a work this out, 16 points behind Fernando Alonso, and who had a you know worse start at the beginning of the season, but has had a great little run, well, a couple of uh, a couple of bad results, but otherwise doing pretty well. And uh, then it's Carlos Sainz, George Russell, Charles Leclerc. But yeah, really, that's that. It's the fight for the second place, which at the minute is Checo, Lonzo, Hamilton, Sainz, and George Russell. Don't really want to join the party at the minute. Looking at the numbers, and in terms of the, I've done the drivers. Let's have a quick look at the teams championship uh, at the minute. Yeah, so Mercedes are above Aston Martin. Uh, 203 points versus 181, and then Ferrari down in fourth, and McLaren are just a distant fifth, but but back in fifth, and you know with 59 points, they got 30 today, so it's more than double their points this season in one day. No wonder Zach Brown was uh, bear hugging everybody <laughs> within sight, and uh, and you know and, and looked looked super happy. Sam, any more thoughts on the uh, McLarens before we move on to Dado? Let's talk about um, Oscar Piastri actually. So. He was caught out by the safety car. Unfortunately, he'd pitted. Lewis Hamilton hadn't. So when the safety car came out because of uh, Magnussen's engine failure, I think, it, well, it was on fire, so I haven't seen the report afterwards. I'm guessing it was engine failure. <laughs> Max Verstappen, Lando Norris, Lewis Hamilton dived into the pits with the full safety car after the VSC. And, you know, Oscar had pitted already. I, I think that's the case, hadn't he? I think he'd already, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. So he, it was just a case of, well, it would have been two McLarens on the podium. It's, it's overly harsh on Oscar, really, because he was actually on to un, to do the undercut on Lando. Um, so he potentially could have been second. And on commentary, they were actually talking about what do McLaren do about this? Do they reverse the positions back and go oops, we put you on the wrong... We accidentally favoured one driver over the other. We've seen strategy happen like that. It's just... It happens. Oscar was deserving of a podium, and Zach Brown actually said after the race, he, he said he felt sorry for, for Oscar. This was one that got away. Oscar will get podiums, and he deserved one there. I'm more interested to see what they do next time, because Hungary is a completely different track. It's... Probably, Matt will correct me here. It's probably one of the lowest average speed tracks on the calendar because it's all tight and twisty. I don't think McLaren will, will be as good there. And if they are, then that really does set them up for a very, very strong season, potentially challenging Aston Martin as well, going that high. It does seem to me the slow speed stuff is probably where McLaren need to, to focus a little more. Matt, just to get your your expert insight into this, both Lewis Hamilton and Toto Wolff in the telly interviews afterwards were both saying, wow, that McLaren, so quick in a straight line. It is true that Lando Norris said in, I think it was the press sessions, that he actually chose to run a different setup to Piastri today. He ran, ran less downforce to give him some more top speed, which it worked out very well with that that restart. Let's talk a little bit about why it took Max a while to get past Lando and why they just had a really good race today. Hamilton and Toto both said, well, they're so fast in a straight line. If you look at the speed traps, McLaren were far from the quickest, but I'm wondering if it's actually the straight lines they're talking about weren't coming off hairpins or anything. You know, it wasn't a, coming off the, you know, attraction corner. They were quite high speed corners lead on to those straights. And it's the high speed stuff that it seemed to me 
that Lando Norris had a bit of an edge over Hamilton in that battle afterwards. But what's your sort of analysis on why they were saying, oh, it's the McLaren top speed, we couldn't get past him? Yeah, so first thing to say is I think you're still absolutely right about slow speed corners. And McLaren has been weakest in like off-throttle scenarios. So when you're, you know, when you you lift off and even though it's an F1 car, it's light and very stiffly strung, you still have a bit of weight transfer and that, you know, that really affects them at slow speed. It's when the car becomes a bit sort of unstable. But yeah, I think what you say about straight line is there's a difference between having a good top speed and having good straight line efficiency. So I think the easiest way to explain that is like what the car does say between how quick it gets from 120 to 180 and not what it does north of there. And so Silverstone is a is a good example for that. And Austria too, which is Austria's, what, three straights in the FIA list is 10 corners, but really it's only seven and, and you, you know, you're not, you're not out going above 200 miles now, but Silverstone, if you think, right, you come down to Wellington straight and then you've got Brooklyn's and Luffield, it's a bit fiddly. You have to be very patient in the throttle, but you get on the, uh, you get on a loud pedal out of Luffield and then past the national pits. If you're brave, light on fuel, soft tires by the end of the race, you're keeping it flat through cops, flat through maggots, Beckett's backing off a bit and then on the hangar straight and then finding to show. So what? One and a half miles of almost a hundred percent throttle. So that's you know where and and you know with the, the high speed corners where the uh, McLaren has excelled and for example where Ferrari is weak. Just before the DRS opened on on lap three, Norris was sort of he had actually broken the gap. He was one point one seconds ahead of, uh, briefly, but then obviously Verstappen was able to reel that in and and Verstappen um, underrated for how I, I still think for how good he is at nursing his tires. And we've seen it a couple of times where the first lap or two, he tends to break DRS zone and it's like five to like 10 where that one and a half seconds suddenly becomes 10 seconds. I think that is to do with basically slowly introducing the tires. So, you know, uh, uh, slowly sort of getting them into the windows so then they last for longer. So I think there's an element of that. But then after that, you've got the Red Bull with DRS and we know how potent those things are when they're together so that's why he was able to come back at Norris so I think a bit of management but yes absolutely a strength of McLaren and just to talk about the strength of McLaren is how how significant their recent upgrades are so you know we they launched a car and said we need to be realistic we've not met our targets over the winter James Key's out then they bring an upgrade in for Azerbaijan and go ah this is how we should have started the season well, now they're an upgrade ahead of that. And it's a big upgrade. They say virtually every single aerodynamic part on the car has changed over three races. So Austria is 50% of the upgrade. Silverstone, another 25%. And they'll get more. So rejoice, McLaren fans. Potentially even more paces coming in in Hungary. Um, Norris got all the upgrades in Austria and has the new front wing and new nose cone for Silverstone. And Piastri has the Austria upgrades now for this weekend. You know, rookie, more likely to crash potentially. Norris is preferential treatment, so he gets a lot. So kudos to Piastri for going toe-to-toe with his teammate. Let's call it a tenth, maybe slightly more than that. Worse off without the new front wing. Uh, but yeah, so, and and more to come from McLaren. And all of this implies that correlations brilliant, really hit the ground running. So um, yeah, ex- ex- exciting, exciting times. Um or I would say that those characteristics are specific to Austria and, and Silverstone, you know, Budapest, you never, you don't have those like long stints of full throttle. So it might be a case of blipping Budapest and then come again on Spa, where again, out of La Source on the accelerator all the way to, all the way to Lake Om. They asked Max Verstappen to comment on next time out and who's going to be competitive. I think it was on the topic of not really knowing who the competition are. And I think he, I think it was a slip of the tongue, or I don't know, he, he's a good English speaker. Uh, but he said, yeah, it'd be really interesting to see who's second quickest. I, I, I mean, who's quick. 
like he's just having a laugh now, isn't he? He knows he's won the championship this year. Uh, it's that great stat that came out today that he could finish second. In uh, is our former colleague Luke Smith who pointed out that Verstappen could finish second for the rest of the year and he would still be champion. He uh, he was asked in that that uh, also that post race press conference what Red Bull might be working on, and he said drag, low speed, medium speed, high speed, the DRS, the tire wear. And there was a ripple of laughter. And he went, oh, and braking. Oh, he's having a laugh now, isn't he? He just doesn't need to worry. He's having the time of his life. Yeah, I, I think I think that was uh, when he said, where can a car improve? And he sort of lists every part in the car. I think that's just him sort of laughing. You know, he's a racing driver. He's never satisfied. Um, you know, I'm not for a minute going to sit here and say that Red Bull aren't looking at, you know, or leaving no stone unturned in order to find that last, last you know, hundredth of a second or whatever. But, you know, they could they could leave that car well alone and just, you know, basically have low downforce, medium downforce and high downforce wing specs and, and just roll it out from there. It's nothing has phased that car. I mean, whether whether it could be even better if it was like tailored to a specific track or whatever, who knows? But the beauty of the RB eighteen and now RB nineteen is that nothing phased them. That operating window is so wide. And that's, you know, where you talk about why Ferrari can be mega one week and rubbish the next. They're knife edge races. If they're not happy, they're nowhere. Whereas that RB19, you can just throw anything at that. It seems to laugh. And then you've just got Verstappen. He's like, oh, you know, what did he say today? It's like when he was, uh, when he radioed, say, uh, guys, Leclerc's pitted. Do we need to change anything? And he was asked, what was that all about, Max? And he's like, well, you know, I was basically just making sure they were paying attention. Hadn't gone to sleep on a pit wall. That's that's a level we're at now, is it? And and uh, you know, one, one which he would have seen on the big screens because that was the car was yeah, behind him. Yeah. So he's watching the telly while he's driving a Grand Prix. Yeah. And we're now uh, for by way of context, eleven race wins in a row. So that's you know, McLaren nineteen eighty eight spec, Senna Prost. Not bad. Uh, teammate battles. Sergio Perez started fifteenth. I've had plenty of people talk about and and media commentators. He scythed his way through the pack, and no, well, he finished sixth and he started fifteenth. It was a half decent recovery drive in an Adrian Newey rocket ship, so it was okay. I think he will need the summer break, hopefully, to reset. Sergio can come back strong. Decent recovery drive is making the most of the safety car. And he'd pitted before the safety car. So that that caught him out. I'm trying to give the guy a break. Uh, he needs to get his qualifying sorted. And Christian Horner has said so as much. Uh, yeah, understatement of the year. Right, we'll take a little break because uh, we've been nattering for 25 minutes. We'll stop now and we'll come back in a second. We'll, we'll continue talking about this year's British Grand Prix. Stick around. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, let's talk about the uh, the battle behind the leaders then. So Verstappen, 
for a while, not in the lead of the race after starting on pole. Uh, that was Lando Norris, but he quickly got that back and, uh, and controlled the race from the front. Uh, but the, uh, the Mercedes, just very quickly, uh, Sam, we saw Lewis Hamilton start seventh, but I think maybe he went down to eighth or ninth. He had a, he had a bit of an off on the first lap. He took the runoff. Um, and uh, George Russell, who there was a lot of radio chatter about rain, which never arrived, and tyre strategy and stuff like that. George, another driver who pitted before the safety car uh, on lap 33, 32, 33, and so um, he missed out. He finished fifth today. Sam, how do you think um, Mercedes will be feeling on the very, very short truck ride home back to Brackley? Um, I think Mercedes are going to be feeling, especially Lewis, will be feeling quite lucky and fortunate, actually, um, because Lewis was not going to get that podium without the safety car. Um he was behind George at the safety car um, and he only leap, leapfrogged him because of the safety car. Um, so I think if you go by actual pace, Mercedes didn't have it to be on that podium. That that was a fortunate podium. They, it's difficult to see where they've actually moved much in the pecking order. They've always been sort of third or fourth. Sort of you started the season, Ferrari, Mercedes, Ferrari Aston Martin and Red Bull were clearly ahead of them. And then it was just sort of arguably they've stuck in the same place. Just the other teams have moved around a bit. It's a day that they'll enjoy, but there'll be some head scratching going on going, well, how did that happen? What, where can we be better? And it'll, it'll be the same answer as Max gave <laughs> everywhere, <laughs> Every, everywhere. Um, yeah, there was so much praise for the McLarens that came from George Russell as well. George Russell, when he was following Oscar Piastri, also jumped on the radio just to give McLaren some praise. I was finally surprising when they, uh, they, they these radio calls. Do you wonder what's the point of those? They're going to get played out on the telly or, or on the internet afterwards. And so you're just praising somebody else. But maybe there's sometimes an ulterior motive. These drivers know that that's, everything's going to be uh, be played out. Um, George Russell was the only one of the top runners who started on the soft tyres but made it last over 30 laps to everyone's surprise. So they made the the tyres work. He went soft medium. Uh, so no real tyre drama there, unlike... Uh, uh, I guess we we didn't really talk about uh, Lando Norris's tire drama. I'm not sure it was massive tire drama on Lando. They chose to fit the hard tires rather than the soft tires, and uh, he made a comment on the radio in the warm up lap, and then just to rewind a bit, and then Lando then mentioned it to Coulthard in the interviews afterwards. And because of that, I think people just kept kept asking him if the team made a cock up today. Um, by putting the hard tyre on. And I think he got really bored. I think he realised, oh, I've opened a can of worms here because every question was about those. Um, Matt, just very quickly, was that a mistake, putting him on the hard tyres? Because a very robust resumption of the race after the safety car came in, but him and Lewis fought really cleanly. It was it was close, but it was really clean. We love to see it. And um, he, got the, he got the hard tyres working. He did say it would have been less stressful, but then, all, then with three or four laps... Lewis's pace dropped off a little bit. Max is saying, oh, I don't like these softs. Was that a, a bit of a screw up? What, have McLaren said why they went with a, a contra strategy there and, and, and made Lando work really hard to keep Hamilton behind him? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a screw up. I think one you might consider, you know how Max has a once a race, he'll say I've got a downshift issue or a vibration, which is never a thing, just to sort of, again, keep people on their toes. Maybe that the soft tie complaining about that was, was his example of that this time. But no, I think, you know, if, if you're doing, basically, McLaren wouldn't have beaten Max Verstappen anyway, any which way. So to get second place is maximum return. So 
really whatever they did you can't you can't pick too many holes in it and yes it did require a lot from Lando Norris and if you're doing your sport drive ratings which Jake Boxwell leg is a couple of walls behind me I think you argue Norris's score up because on the on the slower tire he kept Hamilton's uh, uh kept Hamilton behind and you and vice versa you argue Hamilton down because he didn't do enough on the faster compound but it's it, you know it's basically it's what they had left <laughs> it's what they had left there are too many laps to go I think for them to reliably make a um a soft tire work to the end and uh the the tortured metaphor I used when we did the video earlier Martin was like it reminded me of like a round of countdown where you go go to Carol well it's Rachel Riley now isn't it but you go uh you go <laughs> yeah. I'll either take a safe five or a risky seven something like that and I think that's what it is is like do you go on a soft and nurse it to the end or do you, do you battle on a hard and you know we saw Ferrari have that choice as well do they pit slightly um earlier and go for a hard tyre and have to uh, defend position or do they pick later but then have more positions to recover late on in the, in the dying laps by going more aggressive? Just sort of a bit risk to reward. But whereas he, usually it's easy to sort of sit back and pick fault with strategy, I think this was a bit more 50-50. So considering McLaren came away with second, I think, yeah, fair play. Uh, no no sort of massive criticism this end. You can tell that uh, I've been graduated from a student day slightly longer than Matt because Matt can still pick out decent daytime telly examples to illustrate his Formula One points. I've got a great Holmes uh, under the hammer analogy coming shortly. Stay tuned. What, amazing, amazing. All right, okay. <laughs> Sam, let's talk Aston Martin uh, because they, oh man, what a great start to the season. Alonso drove the, the wheels off of that thing in the early part of the season. And um, and Sam, yeah, so what did he, he started ninth and finished seventh Stroll had a scruffy old race and uh, got a time penalty for his efforts as well in the race for a collision. So, oh man, Sam, it's, it, Aston's a tough one because it could just be that they've been in the wrong setup window for a couple of races. Or is it that they're starting to be outdeveloped? Have they gone down a bit of a, a different development road that they're, that isn't working? Or is everything fine at the helm of the ship and it was just... A couple of races to forget and we move on and they'll be back up their possible podiums. What do you think? It's that option that seems to be the one that's being suggested. But, I mean, for me, if we're going with daytime TV analogies, I mean, oh. I'll introduce Bargain Hunt into this and go, it's sort of like, you know when someone wins but they've made a loss somehow still? It's exactly like that. That That's how I imagine Aston Martin's season going better than they'd hoped but it's still not that great in the end they've fallen away from this podium every race that Fernando Alonso had ho- said he was hoping for he was targeting yes it is going to be the other teams are now bringing their developments and they are catching up and we always said these regulations there was going to be field convergence um but you look at the rest of the season you go well they're going to have less aero testing time than other other teams so this gap is going to continue to shrink and possibly be overturned, especially, as we're saying, McLaren right up there. McLaren have got significantly more development time. Alonso just couldn't do anything today. He was almost like the cork in the bottle. And again, Lance Stroll just a bit of an instant field day and then went backwards. It's it's perplexing what's going on there. I'm going to slightly disagree because it's not 
too dramatic and I'd expect an uptick in, in Budapest because of track nature, you know, it's, what's the, the entire cliche is Monaco without the walls. And, you know, you've seen how, A, how strong Alonso was in Monaco, but, you know, that Aston Martin has been good at low speed, under braking, um, and its weakness has been dragged. So to go back to that earlier sort of s- sequence I said out of Luffield and, and uh, running to Stowe, I think that, that sort of those circuit characteristics don't suit the Aston Martin. As Sam rightly says, they're a bit out of sequence with upgrades now. You know, so Spa and Monza on the horizon, they might dip again. And I don't think that'll be a disaster. I think they can bring it back, but it will be those final few races. So as, as Sam alludes to, uh, the aerodynamic testing restrictions have just reset on the, on the 1st of July. So in terms of wind tunnel and CFD time, up until this point, Aston Martin have been given an allocation based on finishing seventh in the championship last year. Well, now obviously they're, they're, uh, they are third in, in the Constructors' Championship, aren't they? Sorry. Uh, yes, they are. They're third in the Constructors' Championship. So that's where they'll go. They'll have their allocation reduced. But because of long lead times, their next few couple of upgrade packages, whether it be a tweaked floor or a tweaked wing, will be based on having been seventh. So I've been able to dedicate more resources to it. So it'll be towards the end of the season, perhaps more for the 2024 car, where they'll, they'll begin to miss out because of the reset. But I think... Yeah, it's a difficult run of races in terms of Spa, and, but hungry. I'd expect uh, Alonso to be sort of back where he was Canada spec, where, okay, Canada, you've got the big straights, but also it's all about the slow speed chicanes there as well. And he, he was competitive there again. So I wouldn't be too disastrous. And then if you take a step back, bigger picture, Aston Martin weren't, no one was expecting Aston Martin themselves to be this, this good at the start of the season. So I think they probably had like, a bit of sneeze factor in their results where they accepted like, okay, if we drop back ever so slightly, we, we can take that and uh, we'll, we'll be quite content. Well, on home soil today, it was Toyota that denied Ferrari of a win in the WEC. And uh, that number seven Toyota picking up a victory at Silverstone. It was never even going to be that close. Matt, let's talk Ferrari because they came into the event saying it's going to be really bad. And well, maybe self-fulfilling prophecy or well they just knew that it was not going to be the strongest of weekends they didn't get off to a great start on friday and they couldn't get their long run pace sorted and then it just it seemed to go downhill on a on a sunday afternoon because when you think about it leclerc was for a, a large chunk of the the first third of the race leclerc was running fourth science was running sixth looked okay then it seems to me like they tried to force the hand of their competitors. They went for the early pit stops. And of course, then there was the safety car. So they, that hurt them as well. It seemed like they tried to scare everyone into maybe making their pit stops. No one blinked. And it just ended up in a really rubbish ninth and tenth today for Ferrari. Matt's. why was this bad for Ferrari? Where did it go wrong? It's a bit of compound of fear things. So I think car weaknesses is where you start. So Ferrari... Uh, this season have not been good in high speed corners. Well, unfortunately, it's a great circuit. So with some cops, maggots, Beckett's, you know, Stowe, Abbey, there's quite a few of those. So Ferrari are therefore limited. And the other thing is like what I said earlier is this is a very like nervous car and they've tried to make it more benign with upgrades, but they just haven't really seen progress with that. So how that manifests itself this weekend is still soon. Big flat open airfield, which means lots of wind. So I think there's reports of 35 kilometers an hour gusts. Um, what or let's proper call names: Abbey, Stowe, and Cops, or Abbey, Cops, and Stowe in the right order. And the Ferrari is really susceptible to them. So it meant that basically when it was a tailwind, it was unsettling the car, so they couldn't you know get the traction down to launch out of corners. And then it was unstable backing off, and and signs reckon depending on basically 
the gusts, he could be like three to four tenths difference in lap time, lap to lap, because it was so inconsistent. And so because they didn't have the pace to go forward, I think that's forced their hand into fundam- uh, you know, their strategy where they take on the hard tyres and then safety car comes out and scuppers them. So I think, I think one's fed into the other, but neither in isolation are good. Sam, what are your thoughts on Ferrari uh, here? Typical Ferrari. It's what Ferrari have been like for the last couple of years. Um, and whether it's through bad luck or whether it's through, as Matt rightly says, a car that just doesn't suit this track, it it just happens almost week in, week out for Ferrari at the moment um, that they don't get the results that you'd expect them to do. They won't slip below fourth unless McLaren have an absolutely blinding rest of the season, um, which is, we seem to think isn't impossible. But they, they've just not got a car that suits this. Really, they've got a car that's similar to the Aston Martin in many ways in the tracks that it will suit. Second worst weekend of the year with three points on the table. So much pressure on Ferrari at the moment. And uh, I think they, their worst weekend of the year would have been Australia, where Leclerc was a DNF and Science was out of the points. It was a non-scoring weekend. But, but Matt, we start to look at, as always, we'll do our half-term report podcast where we... You know, we give we give everyone school grades and not to tip our hat of we haven't recorded that podcast yet. But when we get round to it, how are you feeling about Ferrari season so far? What have they got to do for the second half of the season? Yeah, uh, in terms of grade, it's, it's not going to be a flattering one. And um, I not, think if I remember last year when we did the halftime grades, we did it by driver as opposed to team. And I think of the two, I'd be... Yeah, I don't think there'd be much to separate them. I mean, science, science, is, science has had quite a few races come a cropper but he's delivered good performances in them but he started the season poorly so that's a good one which which Ferrari driver is ahead I don't know um the car's too too nervous so you know they don't have the operating window and it's it's you you have to say it's sort of in a state of compromise isn't it because it's only at the Spanish Grand Prix where they moved to the Red Bull downwash sort of um side pod concept but as we've seen with like Mercedes which I you know I want to come on to and sort of poke them a bit but like the way everything interacts is it's so holistic in a formula one car the fact you're changing philosophy halfway through means those bits weren't designed to run with that bit and so fundamentally you're running in a state of compromise so i think you know that ferrari trying to find pace and be more but uh, and you know, make the car basically easier for its drivers so you don't have leclerc spinning off like he did in miami or 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 even even yesterday in uh, practice that's what they've got to work on but as i sort of went in a bit on the austria podcast i still think you know you can see chinks in in the armor when it comes to strategy at least i suppose this week compared to last week their pit stops were 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 very quick so so that's something to cling on to but if they, at this stage, have a fully understanding of why this car isn't as good as last year's car, and if they think they know enough that they can sort of catch up with Red Bull by converting to that, they understand enough from having switched side pod concepts to chase after Red Bull, um, and they don't need to evaluate the, the sort of performance of that side pod concept and the other upgrades sooner. I just funnel resources to 2024 because th- this season they're not getting anywhere it's like um well, it's, it's 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 sort of 2021 bad isn't it really getting that way let's talk about mercedes and your thoughts on well, the same question that i asked a minute ago but yeah mercedes. so mercedes now I, I said i said the line to you in a in video that i'm not looking for a cheap headline here i think this is a full-blown crisis now because um 
it's hard to do a direct comparison, but I'd be willing to bet like maybe as much as five whole pounds that they are slower with the upgrade than they were before. So I totally understand why they've gone for the upgrade because the previous concept wasn't working. To go downwash sidepod, that's clearly the optimum solution. They need to chase it. They need to convert and they need to begin to understand that. But as Sam said earlier, they're like locked in position. They're not gaining places from the upgrade. And if you think, okay, they were good in Spain. Well, yeah, they were they were last season as well. So that's not a very good case for them having taken a mark step forward in, in terms of performance. So I think either the upgrade hasn't improved them or they've taken ages to validate it. But that sample size of races in which they can like correlate the upgrades for the winter was growing and growing and growing and they're still not performing. Wolf and, and Hamilton is like the totemic figures in that team. They've really got, they've got the most sway. They really need to drag their, their team out of it because it's just basically it's just not getting better like there's not like enough of a consistent uptick to go right that is our firmly what's Hamilton said that nice turn of phrase it's our north star something to aim for I don't I don't I think it's dimmer than it was a few races ago yeah so Sam I'm sure you heard it on yesterday's podcast I'm sure that you listen to all of our podcasts the moment they're published into your feed but as I said yesterday um the part of sports psychology that really interests me on on you know because sport is binary in terms of winning or losing. One of the, the parts of the psychology of sport that really interests me is when dynasties are no longer the dominant force. And why does that happen? And and how how do teams, you know, how, how do Man City become Man City and just maintain that? How, how did Mercedes maintain their, their winning form? Because of course, in Formula One, there are things like rules changes, which you don't get in football, which ground effect meant that, that it gave the opportunity to, to the others and to Red Bull. And I, I I I mentioned that alongside the fall of Mercedes, and I thought, oh man, you know, if I if I worked at Mercedes, and I heard some idiot on a podcast saying that, I'd be really annoyed because they were still on the podium today. They're still fighting. Well, they, they are second um, by a bit of a gap actually over Aston in second in the championship, over two hundred points now. Um, so yeah, thanks very much, a podcast boy, for saying saying that. So I kind of regret being that strong, but I totally agree with Matt's point that you've got those those leaders there like Lewis Hamilton and Toto Wolff, who there's no point saying, yeah, you know, the McLarens, they're really quick in a straight line and uh, we got to go work on that. And and constantly sort of deflecting to the other teams that are quicker, which, you know, a few races ago, it was all the talk about Aston. Well, I'd be more like Aston Martin. Sam, what are your thoughts on, uh, you know, the fall and fall and rise and then fall of Mercedes-Benz? Uh, like Matt says, I, I you don't change your car concept completely and just suddenly improve um, unless you're McLaren, apparently. They had such a radically different concept. At least McLaren's was in the same vein as what Red Bull were doing at all points. Um, But Mercedes had such a radically different one that they're having to unlearn everything they've done. To be honest, I don't think it's something that you even do next season. I really don't think that Mercedes are going to come back from this within the next two seasons um, or one and a half if you include the rest of this one Um, and if you're Lewis Hamilton you seriously have to ask some questions about I've only got so long left in my career is there a seat somewhere else that I could be winning again like is there 
a hapless Mexican that's not very good at qualifying, for example. Um, I like the look of this. I like the look of this new Apex Grand Prix team. They're on the grid today, weren't he, they? He could be a teammate to Brad Pitt. I mean, that that could happen. Hey, we should take another break, and we'll be back in a moment, and we'll finish off the podcast, dear Williams fans. I have not forgotten Alex Albon. Just saving the best till last. Back in a moment. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me. What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Right, welcome back to the podcast. And so, yes, I know we haven't talked about Williams and Alex Albon yet. Finishing third, second, third in the practice sessions, uh, they they weren't they weren't doing glory runs. They weren't just running on fumes. They said, "Oh, we've got some decent pace here. We just need to work out why, and then not screw up Sunday." And I don't think they did screw up Sunday. And Alex Albon started eighth and finished eighth ahead of the Ferraris on pace. Managed to do some overtaking. He did run down in tenth for a, a long time and uh, dropped down to 11th at one point but uh, I think acquitted themselves really well best result of the season for his teammate Logan Sargent just outside of the points Matt's how impressed with Williams were you and will we get to see this rapid Williams pace again at certain tracks this year yeah so i definitely impressed by the result not necessarily the execution I mean that in a way that um, it's better to not have a clue why we're quick than get to the end of Sunday night and have a perfect understanding of why we're slow, which is a really nice sound. <laughs> I like that. But I ever so slightly get the impression that it's now Sunday night and they're still not entirely sure why they were fast. So they've got the strong result, but that does make it slightly harder to be repeatable. But what they did say is that we'll hold our hands up. We think we've been flattered by our rivals being dreadful. So the Alpha Tori update absolutely hasn't worked. Alpha Romeo, and, and you know, they've got all this extra money this year, so they're actually finally up to the cost cap. They've not improved one iota. Has you know, unreliable. Bloody, 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 bloody. You can go on and on and on. But yeah, so they think they've gained, elevated, gained some positions from that. Then, without sort of repeating myself too much, the Williams we know about it's. Uh, you want to say straight line efficiency, but it's basically more lack of aero. So. You know, that again performs well in a straight line. So, yes, this is repeatable at Spa and Monza. Definitely not for Budapest and um, Zandvoort. And, you know, it was, it was consistent in both, both cars. Best performance by Logan Sargent. I think it's the happiest he's been in the car. And what a time to do it because, you know, managers and team bosses start to meet over the summer break. So, you know, the good results living long in the memory. And I also think you've got uh, the, the factor that, or opposite of Ferrari, where, 
because Williams politely, and I'm not saying I could design a better job myself, but it's not the most complex car aerodynamically. I also think that compared to previous Williams, you think back to sort of Zanvoort and was it last uh, 2021 stuff when Latifi was getting blown off. I think this is quite a benign uh, getting uh, pushed off track by the wind. It was like a nice, simple sort of like vanilla yogurt it was completely inoffensive um and and so they sort of picked up the pieces as a result of that but yeah a, a, a superb superb result and Al, alban he just has all the accolades coming his way because he's doing a mega job i think um just sort of slightly on his like mental state i think he was criticized last year for or not criticized but going like George Russell was an incredibly hard taskmaster at Williams, really pushing them to be better on them all the time, all the time. And he came and you've got Alex Albon, who is very, very nice. And I'm sure he is very, very nice in engineer debriefs as well. But he's he's getting more and more angsty over Team Radio, which I think is a good thing. One, it's ever so slightly entertaining, but it shows how driven he is, you know, to, to push this team forward. And I think it's why he has as far as we're concerned, a completely open book policy with Logan Sargent. He's gone, he's probably, there's probably a psychological element going, I think I'm faster than you anyway, so I don't need to be too worried. But, you know, if I include you, we're getting double the amount of data, we're pushing this team forward, we're not tooling around at the back. So I think, I think, yeah, sort of lots of, lots of praise to Alex Albon. Loads of praise that way. And I mentioned on yesterday's podcast uh, that Logan Sargent, one of a couple of drivers who hadn't switched on his season until... Well, today, and I think he's switched it on today. Didn't finish in the points. He'll be disappointed about that. But to finish not far behind the Ferrari, Carlos Sainz, he'll be very happy about that. Another driver who, um, yeah, he uh, is going to have a an unpleasant summer is Nick de Vries in the Alpha Tauri and uh, Yuki Tsunoda and Nick de Vries, 16th and 17th today. Oof, that is uh, so much work to do at Alpha Tauri. So much work at the Alfa Romeos. They are not going to be happy with Valtteri Bottas. Of course, he started from the back because uh, he wasn't fueled. And in, in other words, he, he couldn't provide a sample. And so he uh, ran out of fuel in qualifying and disqualified. Uh, but Bottas in 12th and Joe in 15th. Uh, they're not going to be Alfa Romeo really unhappy with again today. Uh, we saw the Kevin Magnussen. His engine failure was what caused the VSC and then the full safety car, which really did uh, shake things up. And uh, so he was uh, he was a DNF, but Snicker Hulkenberg uh, finished 13th in the end. And he had a bit of a, a, a tussle, losing some of his, uh, his front wing at uh, early parts of the race. A bit scruffy today. And then who haven't? we talked about oh goodness the alpines of course uh, uh my apologies to everyone working at enston um one to forget i didn't follow up on why they retired ocon do you know why yeah hydraulic pump failure by an uh, from an outside supplier one to forget for team enston i think and they'll they will move on well that's our british grand prix analysis that was a good one. I enjoyed that one. This I think plenty of uh, over 300,000 people enjoyed uh, going along to watch the action this weekend. The rain played its part and uh, we saw some genuine storylines as well. Thoroughly enjoyed that. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. You can always get in contact if you want. You can email podcast at autosport.com. That's uh, uh, email address comes straight through to me, podcast at autosport.com. Make sure you're reading all of our coverage, our driver ratings, um, all of our race reviews on the website, autosport.com for immediate stuff. And if Autosport magazine is dropping through your letterbox on a Thursday already, then thank you for supporting the work that we do 
And if not, then you can check out what we do in the Plus subscriber area, autosport.com slash plus uh, for access to our long reads, our analysis uh, in that uh, the subscriber area of the website. Plus, you can get Autosport magazine every week as well. Go and have a look if that sounds of interest to you. Thank you so much for listening today, and we'll catch you on the next one. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.